So, as you know, uh, we're in the middle of a series of sermons where we're learning about the prayers in the Eucharistic liturgy. We say these prayers almost every Sunday, and the goal of this series is to help us connect the familiar language about God and in, in God's story with the stories of our own, own lives. These last few weeks, we've learned about God the Creator, we've learned about God the Holy One, and we've learned about God's self-disclosure in the story of the people of Israel and the, all the way through the birth of Jesus Christ who is sent to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. So if you want to turn in your bulletins to page seven of the Eucharistic liturgy, that's where we'll be focusing today. So this week, my part of this prayer uh, is all about God's actions and a little bit less about God's identity. So my portion of the liturgy reads, for in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the savior and redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. Salvation and redemption are two major themes in scripture. And early Christian writers who described Jesus as the savior or the redeemer were evoking stories from their Bible, our Old Testament, that told stories about how God would save God's people from distress and redeem them from bondage. So salvation in the Old Testament uh, comes often in the form of heroic saviors who were sent uh, by God to God's people in times of what were often self-induced hardship. And one of the best places to find stories about heroic saviors in the Bible is in the biblical book of Judges. So Judges even has what we would call a savior cycle in it, where a pattern is repeated over and over again, where Israel sins against God, then God allows them to experience the consequences of their sin, then Israel cries to God in help, and God delivers them from distress to, into some kind of peace or security or freedom, usually by raising up a savior for them. And then God's people live in peace and prosperity until they sin again, and the cycle continues. So the savior cycle tells us a lot about how Israel understood both human nature and the nature of their God. They told a story about how they would repeatedly fall into wickedness, but also how whenever they did find themselves in times of trouble, they could reach out to God for salvation. The emphasis here in these stories is placed on the graciousness of God who seems to be ever willing to come to the aid of God's people, even in the face of their own repeated shortcomings. So if we think of salvation as God rescuing God's people from the consequences of their own actions, Redemption can be understood as God liberating God's people from oppression and bondage. Now, redemption is a complicated theological concept because it's a financial metaphor and one that's used uh, in the context of human lives. This is to say that the concept of redemption in scripture is undeniably associated with the practices of slavery which were common throughout the ancient world. And in biblical times, as well as in our times in many parts of the world, people were often reduced to financial terms and treated like property. So redemption evokes the image of God buying people out of slavery and bondage, freeing them from an oppressive ownership or an application of ownership by another. 
And more than purchasing a people, though, the, the notion of redemption in the Bible is actually more like adoption, where God cancels one contract and brings a people into God's family. And the classic example of this in the Old Testament is the redemption of Israel in the Exodus story. Here, Israel were literally a slave nation under the control of Egypt, and through the Passover, God cancels their contract with Pharaoh and brings them into the promised land, brings them into God's family. So if this is how terms like salvation and redemption are used in the story of Scripture, what do these terms mean then when we use them in our liturgy? Well, authors of our prayers unpack these terms of redemption and salvation for us by saying that through the work of Jesus Christ, God has delivered us from evil, made us worthy to stand before God, brought us out of error into truth, and brought us out of sin into righteousness, brought us out of death into life. In other words, God has delivered us from evil, meaning that we have been redeemed, and we are no longer in bondage to the powers of sin or evil or the devil. God has made us worthy to stand before God, meaning that we have been adopted into that family of God and are now able to call God our parent and one another our siblings. God has brought us out of error into truth, meaning that our distorted understandings of ourselves, our world, or our neighbors, uh, or even God, are all being uh, corrected. We are learning the truth about the world, a world that God loves profoundly, and a world in which God is actually on our side. By saying that God has brought us out of sin into righteousness means that we are now empowered by God to live in right relationships with God and our neighbor. And God has brought us out of death into life, meaning that because of all of this saving and redeeming work, we can now live into the fullness of life with hope for the age to come. This is the good news of God's saving and redeeming work through scripture and the liturgy. So let me conclude by taking a moment to share about what this means to me, how my story connects with these stories. I've struggled most of my life with anxiety. I don't share this very often, and you probably wouldn't know it if you didn't know me particularly well. And my experience of anxiety can make social situations really difficult. It can make me inter, uh, overthink my interactions with people. It can make me worry excessively about the future. And it could lead me to procrastinate about things that I would normally want to do. And I sometimes describe it as if I have two fans on my shoulders blowing at my head. One of them is stirring up regrets about the past, and the other one is stirring up fears about the future. And it is life-limiting, and at times it can be soul-crushing, and it has kept me from being the person that I've wanted to be for more years of my life than I could, uh, could, would like to admit. And for me, my experience of anxiety is rooted in a story that I tell about myself, that I'm not enough. And not just not good enough at a thing, but that fundamentally, at the core of my being, I'm in a perpetual state of lack, and I just can't do anything right, and everyone knows I'm a fraud. So that's the, that's the voice that's sometimes in this head. And I wonder if some of you have voices like that too. So when I think about this part of the liturgy, it's offering me a different voice. 
It's offering me a different story, a different story about myself, an alternative to the one that my anxious mind sometimes creates. So when the liturgy proclaims that I have been delivered from evil and I am told that I can be I am told that I can be free from these feelings of foreboding, that God has freed me from the cosmic evil in the world and I don't need to anticipate that some other shoe is going to drop or that some catastrophe is going to happen just because today happened to be a good day. When the liturgy proclaims that I have been made worthy to stand before God, I'm reminded that I'm part of God's family and that God sees me and loves me and knows me and there's nothing that I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do to make God love me less. And when the liturgy proclaims that I've been delivered out of error and to truth, I'm reminded of how God helps me to reframe my own story, the story that this anxiety mind tells me about myself. And I begin to believe a truer story, one in which God's fundamental orientation towards me is of love and abundance and care. When the liturgy proclaims that I'm being delivered from sin into righteousness, I see myself becoming more open to sharing the love of God with others. Sin is that state of being closed off from love and feeling self-isolation, self-isolation that stems from shame or self-loathing or guilt. And righteousness is that state of being open to healthy relationships of love between us and God and our neighbors. And lastly, when the liturgy proclaims all of these things, that we are delivered from evil and made worthy to stand before God and growing in righteousness and truth, that's what it looks like for us to be drawn from death into life and what God's saving and redeeming work looks like for me. Now, I wish I could say that it's solely the liturgy that has assisted me in my battle with anxiety. And to be sure, regular worship and retelling this story helps a lot. And so also do a lot of other things that support mental health, like God is saving and redeeming me through friends who invite me out on walks or to friends who check in when times are rough or to family who save and redeem, God saves and redeems through family when they listen to my struggles with patience and care. And God is absolutely saving and redeeming me through mental health professionals and pharmacists. Early in this story, or early in this series, Christine talked about how the Greek word for the Eucharist means thanksgiving. And the Eucharist, as Aaron so helpfully framed for us, is a time of sacrifice and offering. And it's a gift that we make to God in recognition for all the wonderful things that God is doing for us. So these prayers that we pray in this liturgy, they remind me to draw a big circle around all the many ways that God is saving and redeeming. And it helps me to say to God, wow, thank you for this. So as we prepare to come before God in our act of worship at the altar, I invite you to hold in your mind either the ways in which you can imagine God saving and redeeming you, or maybe call to mind the ways in which you would like to experience God saving and redeeming you. And ask yourself as we pray these words in the liturgy what it means for you to be delivered from evil because you are no longer bound by the cosmic forces and powers of the devil. What it means for you to be made worthy to stand before God because you are a beloved child in the family of God. What it means for you to be brought out of error into truth because you are learning more and more what it means to have God on your side. 
what it means to be brought out of sin into righteousness, because God is with you, cheering you along as you grow with God in love. And lastly, what it means for you to be brought out of death into life as you begin to see a way forward that is filled with love and promise. Bring these reflections with you, whether as prayers of intercession crying out, oh God, help me, or as expressions of gratitude crying out, oh God, thank you. Bring that with you to the altar today and let these words be part of your sacrifice of thanksgiving. Amen.